Hello, and welcome to the Still To Be Determined podcast, the podcast that follows up on topics from the YouTube channel Undecided with Matt Farrell. I am Sean Farrell. I'm Matt's older brother, and I will be asking the questions. He will be providing the answers because I know next to nothing. With me (laughs) is Matt. Say hello, Matthew. Hello, Matthew. Before we get into the episode, just wanted to remind everybody where they can subscribe. You can subscribe anywhere that podcasts are available. You can find us on YouTube where you can actually see our smiling faces. And you can also support us directly through stilltbd.fm. There's a link on that page where you can throw some pennies into the jar. Any kind of support, whether it's just listening, sharing us with your friends, or supporting us directly, all of those are greatly appreciated. (laughs) Some comments on our last episode, which include this one from Ashton Kirby, who wrote, I'm really enjoying these episodes. The format and the humor are a good fit with the content. TBD could stand for terribly bad dad when it comes to the jokes. Keep it up, guys. Looking forward to the next one. Thank you, Ashton. And rest assured, we will keep it up. We don't have a choice. It's in our genetic code at this point. Yes. There was also this from Roger Starkey, friend of the podcast and friend of the channel. Any punishment for the jokes should be punitive. <laughs> Nicely done. I like it. And then it. he put in parentheses, sorry. Sorry, and not s- sorry. Sorry, not sorry. <laughs> and then separate from that, he also provided this comment. Never ask an Englishman for a pun. It's what we do. We've been warned, Roger. We've been warned. I also wanted to touch on this comment from Dark Outlaw 9 who wrote to you, Matt directly about the Winx saga. Mm -hmm. I can't believe that I looked this up slash already knew it because I watched it as a kid, but the fate Winx saga is actually based on the Winx cartoon show that premiered in 2004. Everything else was a spinoff of that show. I had no idea. Neither did I just imagine that two guys who were adults in 2004 had no idea that there was a cartoon show called Winx. (laughs) And finally, I wanted to share this comment from Kushirav, who wrote to you, Matt, make a video on, and then it's just a list of all the things he would like you to make videos on. And I think that there are some things here which would probably be worth touching on. India's national hydrogen mission, Uh India buying a hydrogen train, the successful tests of hydrogen buses in Delhi. They now have 20 of them. And the hydrogen train and hydrogen bus technologies in India. So just throwing those out there for you. You can look into those perhaps in the future. Maybe we'll be talking more about that. That's that isn't, I thought it was a very interesting comment because the environmental impact from India is a major global concern just because of the size of the population there. No different from China, the U S of course, I don't mean to sound at all. Like I am bashing other countries for doing what the United States, despite the size of our population, we are doing a great job of impacting the environment through, (laughs) through pollutants. We are, yeah, we're the, we're the bruiser on the block. So, uh, this was not we're, me throwing we're shade above our weight class here. <laughs> this was not me throwing shade at any other, other country. Yeah. Um, but I think it is, it's interesting, especially from the perspective of a country that is looking at its population and recognizing that it really does need to wrestle with these major topics as their population is only going to need more and more 
power and energy and transportation needs in the future to be taking this national approach in this way, I think is an interesting, interesting topic to look at. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about Matthew's most recent episode from his channel, which was titled Exploring When Solid State Batteries Will Arrive. This was from April 20th, 2021. And I'm a little disappointed that you avoided the question mark format where you could have said, when will solid state batteries arrive? Question mark. I dropped, I dropped the ball. You dropped the ball. <laughs> you certainly did. Dropped the ball and the question mark. The ball. <laughs> and now we're just getting silly. Yes. So there were a couple of things in this episode that stood out. One was. And this was mentioned in the comments by one of the viewers, the sheer number of companies that are working on this is somehow reassuring. Mm -hmm. It's not like it's a, a small group of people off in a lab somewhere with very little funding, Ghostbusters style. Nobody believes them. They're trying to figure out if ESP works. Yes. This is major, major companies nations pouring billions of dollars into the research trying to get there and yep. it being less a matter of if but when correct and yes. for some of the players that stood out for me a a company like bp purchasing a solid state tech company yep there was a time when you would see that sort of purchase as a sign of, well, they're purchasing it so they can kill it. That is part of how capitalism sometimes works is the bigger fish swallows the smaller fish, not because it likes the smaller fish's ideas, but because the smaller fish might become a bigger fish someday and they're exactly. trying to kill it. Yes. This to me does not seem like that. No. This you, you want to talk a little bit about the the change in thinking on that scale from these big oil companies and the petroleum tech looking at different forms of technology and saying we need to hop on board otherwise we're going to go the way of the dinosaur. Well, it's basically what you just said. It's they're seeing the dollar signs of they're no longer trying to squash ideas to maintain their oil dominance because these are at the root of it. They're not oil companies, they're energy companies and they're going to go where the money is and they see the money and the huge potential for business when it comes to uh, battery technology, hydrogen, uh, solar, wind, whatever. They ultimately don't care and as long as they can turn a significant profit. So you're seeing a lot of these companies like BP doing major investments into charging infrastructure for EVs or going researching solid state batteries because they see we can make serious money on this in the next 10, 20 years. So that's why we're seeing more of this. And it's a very different, um, it's a different feel where it's, it's clearly not like Facebook buying an upstart social media network just so that they can squash it and then right. integrate it into their existing products. It, it, this is something very, very different. They're they're definitely trying to. You can tell that they're navigating where the transition is happening because the shift to electrification is kind of it's it's almost a done deal at this point. It's just a matter of how long it's going to take to do it, and the upside for money is just the biggest motivator behind all of it. Does it also play into the idea of battery storage? Doesn't necessarily replace the use of oil technology, it can run as part of that cycle. They could be 
investing in this technology because this would be things that would then be sold into power storage facilities, which could run beside a yeah. oil burning power plant. You wouldn't necessarily say, oh, this is a replacement because this isn't about energy production. This is about energy storage. Correct. It's about managing the the grid, essentially. So right. it's like it actually makes. Here, here's a good example. Tesla built out their Megapack installation in uh, Australia. It's the Hornsdale Power Reserve. And they showed within a year that it saved so much money, it earned back how much it cost to build it in less than a year. And from that point forward, that utility is basically just like saving buco bucks every year because of this battery installation, because it helps them manage their power in like microseconds. It's like it's like little like transactions where they can just save a little money here, sell it at a slightly higher price, and they can do all this kind of crazy stuff with managing the network. They turn a huge profit. So now utilities are looking at that going, we want to do that too. And so batteries are agnostic to what the power source is. Right. Of course, they bring a huge benefit to intermittent renewables because when the sun's not shining, you still need to have it power stored somewhere. So it's kind of like a, there's kind of a one-two punch where there's battery storage helps you no matter what the power source is, but then it also lays the groundwork for transitioning beyond into intermittent uh, renewable sources. So it almost sounds like you're talking about a political issue that gets both ends of the political spectrum to say, that's a good idea. Yeah. That's, and, that's my favorite part about all of this. It's like there's there's people that, you know, they pick their their tribes of, you know, I hate, you know, green energy. It's a greenwashing. It's not actually cleaner. But when you look at it, it's like it one, it is cleaner. And then two, it's like no matter how you look at it, if you're on the conservative side of the spectrum, money. It's like there is money to be made from businesses and there's money to be saved. And it's just economically, it makes so much sense. It's also going to create more jobs. And then from the liberal side of it, look looking towards the environment it's like it's helping the environment it's helping to create better quality of life it's going to hopefully make energy cheaper more accessible so it's like there's just like everybody gets a win out of this but yet we're still kind (laughs) of fighting at it from a dogmatic point of view when you take that dogmatic point of view out it's like this is a win for everybody do you think the argument at some point becomes people arguing about why it's a good idea no i think it's a good idea because (laughs) As opposed to whether it's a good idea, just arguing about the nuts and bolts. No, at, at this point, I think it's like the death throes of the the anti movement for this kind of stuff. I think is in the death throes because, like, at this point, they're throwing every argument at the wall, right? That just isn't sticking, and right. so it's like at this point, it's kind of like, okay, you can kind of go off in your corner and just keep yelling. Do you think it like becomes a, more about no longer trying to understand the nuance of the argument, but just trying to win the argument? In certain circles, I, I think that's kind of where, it is, where it's at right. at this point. Right. One of the things that you talked about was the transition to in solid state, the different materials that could be used in that battery design. And one of them, the leader appears to be lithium. Am I right in mm-hmm. in saying that? So my question when I heard that was how available is lithium? Is it that going to be, I know there's, there's in current battery technology, there are a number of things that go into it. That is it cobalt that has such Mm -hmm. a a bad, uh, not only is it dangerous to mine and it's toxic in its mining production Mm -hmm. for the people who are doing it, but it's, 
it's very often mined in unethical ways with child labor and environmental impact that is largely ignored and the toxicity of it affecting communities in, in countries in Africa uh, in terrible ways. So as I was hearing you talk about lithium as this other thing that could be used, my first thought was, is that now going to be the same problem with a different hat? Is it going to be? To a certain extent, th there is a little bit of that. But if you look at how much lithium there is in the world, there's more than we need. The problem is right now, only a couple of countries dominate the lithium production, China being one of them. And then there's some South American countries that are dominating it. And, but the reserves where lithium exists, United States has a huge reserve of lithium. The question is just, how do you get it cost effectively? So it's like, that's the big question. And how do you do it in an environmentally friendly way? That's the other side of it. I interviewed the CEO of a company called Energy X, which is using a form of nanotechnology called MOFs to create a system where they can recover a much higher amount of lithium and they can do it in a way where you're not having these huge acres of just lithium ponds just evaporating off and creating environmental right. impacts and takes years to do and you still don't get all the lithium out of it. Um, so there's technologies in process that are going to make it more effective, cost effective, easier, and have less of an impact on the environment. So I, I personally, all the research I've done, I don't see lithium as being a, a long-term problem. It's a short-term problem right now, but it won't be in the long run. Do you think that it could avoid being a long-term problem because there are other alternatives that would be better options? There are, I mean, like salts, like there's just beyond lithium salts, there's other dif different kinds of salts that are in battery research, like John B. Goodenough and uh, Maria Helena Braga have a, they call, they call it the glass battery. Right. That's what it's referred to. And it's using different kinds of salts that are much easier to get and are more abundant that you can actually get from seawater. So 20 years from now, it's like we'll be veering away from lithium into something completely different. So it's, it, it that's kind of why I say I don't think it's a big problem. And on top of that, for recycling, um, I'm actually been talking to a recycling companies and I'm going to be interviewing somebody from uh, American manganese actually next week. And they have processes where they can recover from the cathodes of batteries, basically the entire stuff, all, everything inside the cathode. So all the lithium, they can get it all back. They're not separating it out into like, this is a pile of lithium. This is a pile of nickel. This is a pile of manganese. It's still all kind of together, but they're able to recover it all into the cathode material to be processed into a new battery. So it, there's going to be a point at which the recycling system is kicked in and you don't have to mine as much because you're able to recover scrap and old batteries and make new batteries out of them. So there, there's a path forward where you can see 10 to 20 years from now. It's just not an issue. There's going to right. be more, more lithium coming from the United States, China, Canada, South America, all, Australia, from all over the world. And we're going to be better at recycling it. And then there's going to be more options that are more environmentally friendly. So right. it's, it's a short-term issue. I was also wondering about the scale of the batteries themselves. This is, this is, is this one of those areas where the size of the battery really wouldn't matter that this could be the fat, the battery in your phone and the battery in your car, or is this technology that would largely be directed toward one or the other for solid state? It could be anywhere. Like, it, like I have an Apple watch. It's like a solid state battery in my Apple watch could give me several days of battery life as opposed to basically 24 to 36 hours. So it, it could benefit everything. 
and like right now there are solid state batteries already available for basically drones that you fly and rc cars you can already get batteries that have graphene in them or solid state batteries and then there's that i brought it up in the video there's that company that's already making buses that run off of solid state batteries so it's like it's funny to me in that in the video there was a lot of comments of people saying oh it's a it's a fairy tale it's not a real thing and it's kind of like could you rewatch the video where i talked about the company that actually has buses on the road today that right. are running on these mythical batteries <laughs> that you say don't exist it's like right. they exist it's just a matter of can you do produce them at scale where it's economically feasible because that's another th- side of it that's you don't think of when you produce batteries a certain percentage of them end up a scrap because they don't pass quality assurance testing so uh the batteries that were going into teslas like the 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 cells that are going to evs like that at uh, 2018 about 40 30 to 40 percent of them coming off the line were scrapped just keep that in your head it's like every battery that comes off so every 10 batteries that would come off the line three to four of them would have to be thrown away and only six or seven of them would actually be able to be used and that's a battery that's being produced at mass scale that's right. actually doing well for economics so here comes solid state i don't have the specific numbers off the top of my head but i would imagine the scrap factor for solid states right now it could be way higher than that so it's mm. like there's a reason why the, when we talk about mass production scale why it gets cheaper as you get bigger and better at it that's why as you get that scrap factor lower and lower like right now it's somewhere around i believe 20 percent, depending on the line in the company so you're still chucking two cells for every eight you make. And that's that's great. It's like they're doing a good job. Good good job, guys. I so wish like, I I wish I had something <laughs> in my life that when I tried to do it, it was okay for me to be awful at it two right. out of every ten times. Yeah. It's like when you, it's like graphics cards, you're making the chips that go in graphics cards, the chips that go into your CPU. It's like it's the same deal. It's like a brand new chip that comes off the line like that's a we're going to a five nanometer process it's like well why are they so expensive well because we have to throw away half of the ones that come off the line we have to chuck because they're just no good it's like that is the part of this that people don't seem to understand and so it's like when you say solid states are fairy tale because you don't see them anywhere it's like there's a reason because they're very difficult to make right now and they're very expensive and so the company that's doing those bus batteries they're clearly able to do it in a way where it's it's still expensive, but it's in the realm of, okay, we can make it make economical sense, but it's right. still pricey. And so it's like in the next It never 10 occurred years, to me that that was better. a part of the economics of this, that the, the <laughs> drop in the cost of something is, includes that. Yes. The, the fewer of them you have to throw away over time, you're starting to get more money back out of the system. So you're, right. you're having to- you're, And your price can drop. Yeah, exactly. So- yeah. Which goes back to the recycling, like American manganese and this, they will recycle that scrap. So those three batteries that you the have to overall chuck, cost is they can take those and reprocess them so they can go right back into the line right. and try, okay, let's try again. It's like, you're still right. gonna be throwing that 30% away, but at least those materials are going right back into the beginning again. So the goal there being eventually you're hitting hundred percent use. That would be the obvious goal. That's, right. that's where you want to get as close to hundred percent as you can get. Right. The final thing I wanted to talk about was some of the specs around the charging times were interesting to me that there was the fast charge of 80% in 20 minutes. Another one was 15 minute uh, charging time goal. And there's that part of me that was born in the 20th century, which technically I guess is 
most of me. Um, <laughs> but there's that part of me that says like 20 minutes to charge. That's ridiculous. That's a ridiculous amount of time. And then the 21st century part of my brain wakes up and says, keep in mind that if you're on the highway, that 20 minutes is the 20 minutes you're going in and getting a sandwich. Yep. You're using the restroom. Yep. Uh, you're doing all those things that you would normally be doing. The, the, this is not comparison that you should be looking at from the perspective of how long does it take me to stand next to the car with the pump? Yes. And it is a replacement of that with other things that you would be doing at a rest stop. And um, I went back to your older video. I guess it's more than it's about a year or so now that you had your video about the company that was developing car charging technology that would be embedded in the roadway or embedded in parking spaces. Yeah. Why Tristan? Yeah. Yeah. The, the potential of, of that being the charging technology. So not only is it possible that that 15 or 20 minute charge could be happening while you're doing other things, it's potential. It's potentially, the case that that could be happening while you're not even thinking about charging your car. Correct. So you could be pulling into a parking space that's marked for electric charging and you just get out of your car, go into the seven 11, get yourself a Slurpee, use the restroom, buy a candy bar. And then you come back out. It's been 15 minutes and your car is now topped off to above 70 or 80%. It's really like that's some point. That's really cool. At some point, it's going to be one of those things of, this is like way in the future. I would, it's probably 30 to 50 years in the future. But imagine you no longer even think about having to charge your car. You just, you right. get into a car and it, you go around and you just live your life. And it's just wherever it's parked, it just is kind of topping itself off. It's just right. like that future is coming. It's just a matter of when. It's going to be, not to be morbid, but you and I, we're not going to experience that. But. Yeah. <laughs> Others will. <laughs> yeah. That was actually one of the comments on this video was from one of your viewers saying it's news like this that makes me want to be alive for a long time to be able yes. to see that future happen. Yes. And, and I, I can hop on that, that train of thought. That's something I agree with. I think that's a good note to, to end off this discussion on. Uh, and if any of our listeners have any thoughts about when they think this stuff might be coming, but also what are the things that you would hope to see in your lifetime? What is the thing that you're hoping to get a glimpse of when you're an old man or woman and you're looking at something being done and thinking, I'm glad I was here for that. I know that uh, Matt has had the opportunity on a number of, of occasions to visit uh, Florida. He's seen space launches and stuff like that, that I know that those were on his bucket lists. Mm -hmm. Um, and so our listeners should let us know what's on your bucket list. Give us a, give us a few of your highlights. Good question. As usual, we're going to transition into talking briefly about some pop culture stuff that we've been experiencing this past week. And as usual, I'm going to flip a coin, Matt, it's in the air. Got to call it quick. Tails. Tails. I'm sorry. It's heads. Ah. I get to go first. Okay. So I've got three things I want to talk about quickly. The first is something that you already knew about, but you were keeping it to yourself. You did not share with me. And if you think I'm not angry, you're mistaken, (laughs) my friend. 
I'm talking about the return of Mystery Science Theater 3000, mm-hmm. which has a ongoing Kickstarter campaign. I encourage people who are fans of the show and don't already know about it to go visit the Kickstarter. Um, their campaign is to raise money for something I think is is a really cool model for them as opposed to their last Kickstarter, which was help us produce a show that we can then sell to a network. And what they're doing now is help us raise money to be able to start our own platform. They will be producing episodes on basically a monthly basis. And they, at this point, I believe have reached the goal to be able to make six episodes. Yep. Their target with higher tiers of support are to do a full 12 episode goal. So that would be a full year of new episodes, but the platform will effectively be a, an online platform, which would also include apps that they are going to have produced, which would allow you to download the app and be able to view stuff on a Roku or an Apple TV or other devices but basically have a repository for a lot of their older programming, a place for new programming and a place for them to do live events so that they could do episodes live while you're, you're watching. Um, And within that would be the opportunity for you as a donor to be able to download and save specific episodes effectively similar to how, if you purchase movies through Apple TV, um, they're in your Apple repository. So whatever device you're on, you, you'd have access to those things. I think it's similar to that. And I think it's a really cool idea. And in talking to Matt about this recently, he compared it to what Rift Tracks has been doing, which is mm-hmm. uh, from Mystery Science Theater. It's Mike Nelson and and uh, his two partners have been doing this with Rift Tracks for a number of years where it's effectively they just produce episodes and you subscribe and you get these episodes. Is that the model that they they operate it, under they do a video on demand it's like you're paying per thing but they have episodes you can buy for a couple bucks they have episodes you buy for ten dollars whatever it's like but there's new stuff coming out every single week and they have a whole team that's helping produce these videos and it's, it's fantastic it's like it's giving me my that that bad movie mystery science theater <laughs> fix mm-hmm. every week if i'm in the mood for something i'll go and see what's new and pick something up and watch it that weekend it's so much fun i'm very excited that they decided to come back in this way. And I think that the potential, I think the potential for this is, is really, really cool. So, um, I'm looking forward to that. I also wanted to talk about two movies that I saw this week. Uh, The first one is available on Netflix and it's the movie. I care a lot. And this is directed by Jay Blakeson and it stars Rosamund Pike, Peter Dinklage, and Diane Wiest. And it is the story of a woman played by Rosamund Pike, who is effectively a sociopath. (laughs) And what's terrific about the movie is it's almost like you're watching another movie would be the story of the person discovering that their elderly mother had been stolen from them by a nefarious company and they would pursue getting their mother back. This takes that and turns it on its head. The protagonist of this film is the sociopath. 
Hmm. You are watching it from her perspective as she is a person who what she does is finds elderly people who are isolated enough that she can use the courts and her relationship with a doctor who's willing to feed her patients using doctor's testimony that this person can no longer take care of themselves. She gets herself declared by the court as the advocate for this person has them put away into a home and then sells off their possessions, paying herself the fee for taking care of this person. It sounds like a feel good movie, Sean. This sounds, this sounds fantastic. It is a feel good movie. If, (laughs) if your only concern is feeling good while you watch it, it is a dark story, Uh but the turn in this one is that what she doesn't realize when she targets Diane Weist in this movie is that Diane Weist's family is a family that you don't want to cross. And her son is Peter Dinklage and he plays a guy who has a, a personality and a life experience that makes him a very dangerous person to upset. So it's the story of a sociopath inadvertently crossing a psychopath. Oh, and it, it takes extremely breaking bad, like turns. And it is a lot of fun. It is a dark, fun movie and it is full of terrific performances. Rosamund Pike is a actress that I haven't really seen before. She was in Gone Girl. I've never seen that movie, so I I really didn't know her, but she's terrific in this. There's another actress who plays her girlfriend, uh, Isa Gonzalez. She's in a number of different movies that are that are popping up right now. Um, I believe she's in one of the Fast and Furious films in a small part. Um, I believe it was the Hobbs and Shaw. That's the one she was in. Um, she's very likable. There's a lot of good chemistry between her and Rosamund Pike. Diane Weist is always terrific. And she plays a woman who is perfectly capable of taking care of herself. But as the movie progresses, she is put in positions where she's being drugged and she's being given medication. She doesn't fully need to keep her sedated. And she, she does a terrific job playing a woman who is being abused effectively by this nursing care facility. And then Peter Dinklage is terrific. He is, as my girlfriend said, he is always Peter Dinklage, but there's subtlety in the performance where he finds a little pocket within himself of what this would be. Mm -hmm. So this character is coming from a very dark and very scary place. And he plays a menacing, menacing man and does it, does it really well. So I give that a, a, a strong recommendation. It's a really good movie. The other movie I wanted to talk about was one we just watched last night. This is a movie that is available for, uh, it's basically, you know, you're renting it as a theatrical release. So you're paying $20 for it, but I think it's absolutely worth it. I was very pleased to spend the money this way. And it's the movie. Nobody. Oh yeah. Odenkirk playing Bob Odenkirk playing a badass. And this is a movie that was written by the guy who wrote John wick. It's effectively a John wick story go into it without any sort of um, 
expectations beyond that. It's a John Wick story. It's here's a guy you don't want to cross and he's crossed. So he goes out and has to do things. And I just listened to the episode of Conan O'Brien needs a friend in which Conan interviewed Bob Odenkirk and they talked about this movie and Conan O'Brien's response to it was spot on. It makes me mad how Bob Odenkirk can basically do whatever he wants. (laughs) Started off as improv comedy guy, weird guy doing very surreal, you know, off the center comedy ends up somehow winding his way into breaking bad in mm-hmm. which he creates a character who is so liked that he ends up with his own spinoff show earning him Emmy awards. So he's now Emmy award winning Bob Odenkirk for dramatic persona. And now he's, this action is a full blown <laughs> action movie and yeah. it is terrific. It is terrific. About 20 minutes into the movie when things have bubbled over for the first time and you see the first moment of like, here it comes, this is it. And he does it. When that scene ended, I turned to my girlfriend and I just started laughing and I said, he is so good at this. It is (laughs) remarkable. It is and it's the kind he's not of a action. young man either. <laughs> he's not a young man. And that's, and that's the thing is he's playing this guy who like, once he starts doing these things, you fully buy in because he doesn't look like he's stumbling through it. But the fact that he's not a guy that you expect to do these things is part of the charm of it. Mm-hmm. And by the end of the movie, I said, I'm on board. I want a sequel. I want spinoffs. Uh-huh. I, and I, I'm not going to go into details about like the other characters that popped in that I was just like, Oh my God, this character is amazing. I will just say there are, there's three characters total, including Bob Odenkirk that I was just like, I want to see these three back again and again. (laughs) I'm on board. They got my 20 bucks. If they're like, guess what? There's another movie. It's coming out next week. It's also 20 bucks. I'm giving them my next 20 bucks. Yeah. That much fun. So I care a lot for the psychological, the, the dark aspect of, uh, the mind games that the sociopath is playing with people around in the strings she's trying to pull. And then on the flip side, nobody for just full on action, keep the pedal to the floor. It's a great, it's a great fun watch. I I listened to the slash film podcast where, where they reviewed the movie and they all loved it. And they referred to it as a it's like the ultimate dad movie yes um and they also said they felt gross though that the fact they liked it because it is so gratuitous violent it celebrates the violence his wife won't sleep with him because he's not a man but until he starts actually beating the crap out of people suddenly she wants to sleep with him so it's like it's this machismo bullshit that they, they were kind of like like i feel gross that this is what's being portrayed in this movie but it's just so much fun to watch um they loved it Um, i will can i get a react to that to that one element my reaction to that was the distaste from his family toward his inability to be a man is it's actually far subtler than that and it's missing the point a bit 
it's not that she won't sleep with him because he's not a man. It's that he is so lost within himself. He doesn't know who he is and he has pulled himself away. Okay. And I felt like that was clearly the portrayed in the movie that there's a moment of reconnection where the point of connection is she says to him, I didn't go anywhere. Like effectively, like I never left you did. And so for me, I, I push back on the idea of it's, if it's too much machismo, the point there is a macho for him to get himself back. He has to go beat people up. It's like, right. there's like, there's that, that aspect of those kind of like, that's kind of gross, but it was still a fun movie and they still liked it and they still recommended it. And the other thing I would bring up is it's directed by the guy, I believe that directed this movie called hardcore Henry. Yes. If you have not seen that movie, watch that movie. It is, I would not say it's like a work of art, but it is basically like watching a first person shooter video game because it's all from the perspective of Henry. You never see him. You mm-hmm. see his arms, you see him holding guns, just like a first person shooter. But the way it is filmed, it is so visceral and so clever. And the way that it feels like it feels like a nonstop take the way they filmed it. So yeah. the movie's an hour and a half. It feels like this takes place over an hour and a half, even though it doesn't. But it's it is just you hit play and then you're basically like that Maxwell audio tape you know, ad from when we were mm-hmm. kids where you're just like, like the yeah. <laughs> wind is rushing past you. That's the entire movie of hardcore Henry. It is, it is a feast of action and just mm-hmm. something. It's like, it's like nothing you've ever seen. And just from that point of view, watch it. Um, I'm excited to see this mainly for that because yeah. it, this guy plus the John Wick guy coming together and creating this, it feels like chocolate and peanut butter coming together of, yeah. innovative director really kind of guy who gets the genre coming together and just making something fun yeah, yeah. they absolutely did cool two things i want to bring up <laughs> just to remind everybody my colombo viewing experience is still going on and it's still <laughs> sublime i i love that show so much uh but i i finished watching that german show called tribes of europa that i talked about last time which is a science fiction story about in 2074 the earth has basically gone back into this like there's a blackout so we lost all of our technology and we've been set back basically to the dark ages and it's these tribes that are trying to gain control of europe and it's it's so good it is so good you sean you have to watch this show the last episode the stuff that happened in just the last episode i was almost standing up in my living room living room going yeah yeah season two please season two it was if they don't come back with season two i am going to be on netflix's front yard throwing stones at the glass windows because it is i want to see more of this story i love the world building they've done i love how they've set up the characters of what's unfolded and where everything is it reminds me of kind of a sci-fi there's a little bit of a game of thrones to it where it's a family that ends up dispersed and you're following all the family members into this, these hell holes that they're ending up in and how they're trying to weave their way through it and the science fiction world they're laying on top of it it is just so cool it's like i really had a fun time with it and the dubbing on it is totally watchable usually the dubbing yeah dubbing i don't is, like yeah you, you can totally get by on the dubbing the acting the voice acting is, is 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 totally acceptable it's not great but it's totally acceptable so it makes it very watchable um and it's high production quality it's a really well-produced show uh the second thing i just started <laughs> this ties right back into 
I don't know what this says about me, but like I talked about how I watched Winx, which is like this teenage angsty teenage adult, like, I don't know, young adult novel series kind of a thing. Well, there's a new one that just started this this week on Netflix called, it's based on a series of books called uh, Shadow and Bone. I don't right. know if you've ever heard of those. Yep. Uh, so I started watching that, but I watched the first episode, but I brought this up because I thought these two kind of go together well. Tribes of Europa, I mean, I, I mean, Winx and this. Because where Winx, I love the world building, but then the dialogue, the acting, everything about the show made me actively hate the heroine. Like, this is not, what you wanted me to be like you did not want me to hate this character but i hate this character because of the way you've executed the show this show is like the polar opposite where i would like if it was a rotten tomato score i would give winks you know a big green tomato it's like this one my impression from just the first episode is a big tomato like a red ripe tomato it's like it is the production quality is through the roof the world building of it is fantastic it's kind of um there's an aspect of it that reminded me of Avatar The Last, Last Airbender. Yeah. Where there's characters that can control fire and control air. And it, it literally is The Last Airbender. And there's this rift to the world that they call the rift. That's this dark zone that you can't pass, that you can't go around because there's mountains on one side and there's an enemy army on the other. So that to, to get back and forth to their allies and to the to supply lines, they have to go through the rift which is extremely dangerous because there's unknown things in the rift that basically kill everybody. Right. And it's just the world building alone and the scale and scope of the special effects are top notch. The the main character that you're following, I was like, I like her from the very first scene and the, her interaction with her friends was like, there was actual chemistry between the actors like almost instantly. So the writing was better. The acting is really good. I have no idea how, if it's going to hold up, but if it's anything like tribes of Europa, it, I have high hopes that this will, will stick with it. The one complaint I would have is it feels like they're trying to cram too much. And when, after I watched the episode, I looked it up and it looks like they're actually taking multiple books and putting them all into one series. And right. so that was the one complaint I read about in some of the reviews I saw, which was they're putting characters from a different line of the book series into this. So suddenly it's just like jam packed of different plot lines when they could have just focused on more of the initial book, maybe. Um, mm -hmm. So it, as a, somebody who's not familiar with this, it did feel a little overstuffed because you're jumping between two different sets of characters. And so the, as you're jumping back and forth between them, I was a little confused every time they would do the shift. It was like, wait, wait what's going on now? Because right. there's a lot of world you're having to understand. So that, that was my only complaint. But by the end of the episode, I was like, I'm in. This is a very well done show. I saw the trailer for that. And I know what you mean by the special effects. It looks like like high-end movie quality yeah. special effects. The, the world that they've created absolutely looks um, breathtaking in scope. And, and M. Night Shyamalan, the man who almost destroyed The Last Airbender for all Last Airbender fans, it's like he should watch this show. This is how you do this. It's like the way that they're doing their like specials and like making the fire and making wind. It's like, it's like, yeah, okay. It's just this. It's really, it's, it's, it's really cool. I, I highly recommend it so far. Um, I'll probably give an update when I'm finished with the, the whole season as to like if it held up or not. But so far, I'm impressed. That's great. So there you have it. A uh, thumbs up for me for the new Mystery Science Theater. For the 
I Care A Lot on Netflix for Nobody, which is available for rent through most video on-demand services out there. And from Matt, it's a continued thumbs up for Colombo. <laughs> and excited thumbs up for the future of the tribes of Europa and for Shadow and Bone. And those are both Netflix, correct? Both Netflix, yep. So our listeners should let us know what they think. Have they checked out any of these shows? Or like I said, what's the future that you hope to see? Should you be able to to look through the uh, future scope? What's the one thing you can't wait to see in your life? You can find the contact information in the podcast description. And on YouTube, that would be directly below the video. Wherever you're getting this, whether it's in podcast form or a video form on YouTube, please do subscribe. There's also a way to directly support the podcast. You can visit stilltbd.fm and you'll see the support the podcast link there. Throw some pennies in the jar. We do appreciate any kind of support. Please be sure to give us a rating or review and share us with your friends. It really does help the podcast. And then the podcast helps the channel. The channel helps Matthew. And then Matthew throws rocks at Netflix's office windows. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening, everybody. We'll talk to you next time. <laughs>